1st of March 2019, a little over a month from now, I was sitting with my father, with my dad, in this room, and we were having this conversation about our faiths. And this is what he said. He said, if I have to remain within the boundaries of the religion that I follow, which is Islam, if I have to remain a Muslim, I will, on a minimum level, I will have to hate you. And on a maximum level, you know what? And I kept looking into his eyes and as he was saying this, he was basically just disowning us, Nan and myself, and it came as a big, big blow to us. It was difficult to receive this from, from, from a dad who is, with whom I've had a solid relationship from my childhood. It was challenging. And at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm not sharing this to throw a pity party or sympathy time or anything of that sort. Why am I saying this? The more I thought about this, the more I told to myself, Abdullah, you're fine. You're okay. You're doing well. It's fine. But the more I told this to my own self, the more I realized, no, I'm not okay. I had to go back to my heavenly father to gain every inch of strength, even to stand. I had to put my trust in him again and again and again. I had to remind myself of the promises. I had to remind myself of his everlasting love. I had to remind myself of all those words that have been spoken over our lives. I had to go back to him for every inch of strength, for every inch of strength. And that is kind of the main point of our morning of our morning message. In times of troubles and distress and opposition, in times when you feel like, I want to give up, you need to stand and stand strong, not in your own strength, but in the strength that comes from Jesus Christ, in the strength of God and God alone. Amen. If you're not a believer here, and if you're just coming along, if you're just trying to explore and figure out who this Jesus is or, or you've just come along, let me say that you're very welcome here. Yes. You're very welcome. We are so glad to have you here this morning. Yeah. If you are facing challenges in life, which I'm sure you would be because you're breathing, <laughs> let me say this, that there is, there is strength in God. And my prayer is that today, you and I will be equipped differently to face these situations, to face these circumstances, and to fight and stand strong in them. So grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now for those who are here for the first time, let me give you a very quick recap. Very quick recap. This letter is a letter which is written by Paul to, a, to the church in a city called Ephesus. Just like London in many ways in those days. And in the first chapter, Paul writes about this Jesus. He says, this Jesus is the one who is beloved. He is the one in whom we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. It is in Jesus that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the glorious riches of my Father's grace. Then he, he goes on to explain our situation. What is our condition? He says, if we are left to our own mercies in ourselves, we are dead. 
we are dead in our own sins and transgressions and we need the grace of God to, be, to come alive. Those, those very foundational verses of, of, uh, second, uh, of Ephesians 2 verse 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It is the grace of God that saves us. Hallelujah. It is the grace of God that saves us. Yes. And then Paul goes on to say, what happens when this grace of God penetrates into every area of your life? What happens, what happens with this grace when it crosses every boundary of tongue, tribe, and nation? God births this community called church. And then God uses this church to showcase his manifold presence, his manifold presence, his manifold wisdom to the rulers and powers and authorities of the heavenly places. That's what he does with us. And then when this good news, the gospel, the grace penetrates into every area of your life, every area of my life, every relationship is changed and moved because of this good news. Our families are changed, our marriages are changed, our work lives are changed, the way we do marriages, the way we, live, we parent our, our children changes. Everything changes as soon as this gospel touches the surface of, the, of our relationships. Thank you, Lord. And then he says in Ephesians 6 verse 10, Ephesians 6 verse 10 onwards, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, st you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, take up the whole armor to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, with which, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, the words that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim this mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Yes. Heavenly Father, this is the prayer of our hearts this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the answer to all our situations and circumstances. Yes. You are the only answer, Lord. Lord, as we read, Lord Jesus, help us to stand and stand firm in you, Lord. <coughs> open our hearts, open our minds to lay hold of the truths that are in front of us. Lord Jesus, help me to be clear in proclaiming what you have given me, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Be strong in the Lord 
and the strength of his might. Because we can go on and on and on fighting and fighting, but in the end, just be weary and tired if we are fighting in our own strength. It can almost look like that game, that whack-a-mole. <laughs> there are a whole lot of you and these characters keep popping up. And you have the hammer or a mallet in your hand and you, and you pop it on their head and it goes down. And no sooner it goes down, the other one pops up. And then you hit this one and the other one pops up. And then you hit the other one and the other one pops up. And our life can be, can be like that. It can become a game of whack-a-mole. We're just hitting with the hammer one after the other. And in the end, what will happen is it will leave you tired and weary. And to that end, you will almost give up saying, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? That's one option. Or the other option is strength in God. Standing str strong in God. Paul makes it very clear, why do we need to stand strong in God? He says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against the bo your boss who is trying to be cruel on a Monday morning. Your fight is not against your spouse whom you think is only trying to misunderstand you rather than trying to understand you. Your fight is not against your child whom you are trying to teach every single thing to obey you, but every single time he or she disobeys you. Your fight is not against them. Your fight is not against your boss. Your fight is not against your spouse. Your fight is not against your child. Your fight is, on a macro level, your fight is not against even a particular party or a government or even a particular group of people whom, who spread only violence and fear and hatred. Your fight is not against them. If you are fighting against flesh and blood, know this very clear in your minds that you are fighting the wrong person. If at all, you would be fighting for them. You're called to fight for them, not against them. And Paul makes it very clear. He says, your fight is, against, is not against flesh and blood. Your fight is against the cosmic powers. Your fight is against the authorities. Your fight is against the rulers. Your fight is against the chief cosmic thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's a fight against who? Our fight is against the evil one. Someone might say, really, in this day and age, do you believe in demons? Do you believe in the evil one? Really? Is that where you're going? Yes, I do believe in demons. I do believe in, in the evil one. I don't believe in, in a green or a red man with two horns and a tail, pointy tail. No, I don't believe in that. But I believe in the one whose chief, chief job is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's who I believe in. And I have very strong reasons to believe in him. I mean, look, at the, look at the evil around us. How do we explain the evil around us? How do we explain the wrong that is happening around us? I mean, one can say that, yes, the, they are the result of a human heart. Yes, which is part of the problem. But how do we explain illnesses and sicknesses and diseases like cancer and AIDS and, and, and pedophilia and all of that. How do we explain all of that? The evil one is behind that. And for the believers, I can say this very, very safely, that, that Jesus believed in the evil one. In John 8, he said, he is the father of lies. He's a deceiver. 
And I can believe in the evil ones only because that is Jesus' theology. If I am going against his theology, I would be in, in big problem <laughs> as a believer. But look at the evil around us. I mean, there is no reason why we, why we should not or why we cannot believe in him. Of course, he is there. C.S. Lewis is very helpful here. He, uh, in his introduction to the book called, in the book called Screwtape Letters, he says, our race can fall into uh, two equal and opposite errors with regards to devil. He says, either you can completely disbelieve in him, and he calls them materialist, or you can believe in him, in the existence of the devil, and you, take, you can take unhealthy interest, and you can go deep down within him. And that is called magician. And materialist and magician, this devil hails to both of them with the same delight. To the materialist, materialist he says, I'm very happy with you. I don't want you to believe in me, it's fine, but I'm there working behind you. And to the magician, he says, very good, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing, keep going down deep within me, and I'll keep you there. We neither want to be materialist nor a magician. Then how do we relate to them? Do we start living in fear, in constant fear all the time? Absolutely not. That's not what, is, what we are being called to. God says you are free and you are free indeed. The, the truth, you have heard the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen. How do we relate to them? We are to be relating to them as, as a reality around us. Think of them as germs. Think of them as germs. I mean there are germs all around us, but that doesn't make us obsessed. We are 100 percent, we are going everywhere and we are washing our hands and living in that. We are not obsessed with germs. Yes, we do take proper precautions. We do take ordinary precautions and we, and we carry on. But we don't get obsessed with, oh, germs, germs, germs. Think of the doctors and the nurses in the hospital. If they start living in fear of viruses, how would they get anywhere in their, in their profession? They would be able to go nowhere. In fact, the awareness of the reality actually changes the way they live. It affects the way they live. It affects their lifestyle. It also affects the way they dress up. The doctors and nurses in the hospital, they have their own lab coats, they have their own gloves, they have their own uh, face mask or whatever you call that. They have, sometimes they even have a, a, a separate pair of uh, footwear. It affects the way they live. It affects the way they do life. And in a similar fashion, Paul calls us to suit up, dress up appropriately. He uses an imagery of a Roman soldier and he gives us six items as the armor. Six pieces of armor. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Where are you? Here you are. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And that's the first piece of armor, belt of truth. Belt of truth plays a vital and a central role in the whole armor. It is this one piece that holds everything else together. This is this one piece of armor that surrounds the soldier all together. 
And generally what would happen is the soldier would wear the belt. That would be the last piece of attire that the soldier would wear. But Paul mentioned it as the first piece of armor. And there is a foundational reason for that. There is a very important reason for that. It holds everything else together. The one tool that evil has in his toolbox is deception. And this tool is used in a millions and hundreds and millions of ways by this evil one. He uses the same tool again and again in different ways. I mean, he deceived Eve. We read in, in Genesis 3, how, how did he deceive Eve? He came to Eve and he said, did God really say, did God really say that? Did God really say that you cannot eat from, from any tree of the garden? And then Eve corrected him and said, no, 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 God didn't say that. God said, you cannot eat from this tree of the garden. Really? Do you know why? Because if you eat from this tree, you will be like God. And she was deceived. And we live as a consequence of that sin. The same thing happened with Jesus. But obviously the, obviously the result was very different. When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, he kept coming to Jesus one after the other. He came and he said, you hungry Jesus, turn these stones to bread. Turn these stones to bread. But Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then he came again. He took him up and he showed him all the kingdoms of, of, that, of this world. And he said, if you bow down to me, I will give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall worship the Lord and God only. And then he came again. And look at this, look at the extent of his twistedness. He said, he, this time he came and he, he actually quoted a scripture. He took him to the highest point and he said, throw yourself down, for it is written that concerning you, angels will guard you. And Jesus said, it is also written that you shall not test the Lord your God. The only way that a deception can be debunked is by truth. The only way you can fight deception is truth. And where do we get this truth now? In our day and age, all we hear is, oh, whatever you feel, whatever you understand, whatever is good for you is true for you. Is that an absolute truth? Is that absolute truth for, for, for your mental state? Is that an absolute truth for your sexual state? For your sexual, sexual orientation? Is that a real truth? Yes, there is. Where do you find that truth? Right here. Right here. This book is not just a self-help book with lots of positive thinking, with lots of positive things, and written by lots of wishful theologians and writers. This book contains the Word of God. Absolute truth. Absolute truth. It contains the words of Jesus the words of God himself. Jesus says in, in John 8, 31 to 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. We are called to surround ourselves with truth. Truth about our God, 
who God is, truth about Jesus, who Jesus is, truth about our own self. If you are trying to figure out your own um, uh, reason or own purpose in life, what are you here for? Why is your existence even, even, why do you even exist? You will find it here. You will find it here. What is the truth about God? Who is God? God is that all-knowing and all-powerful being who made everything, who made the heavens and the earth from nothing. He is the one who made you. He is the one who made me. He, he made every single person on the face of the earth in his own image. That's who God is. And he did that in love. He did that in love. And, and he accepted us. And he accepted us in him. He is the one who made you and me in love. He is the one who is slow to anger. He is the one who is abounding in love. He is the one who is filled with compassion and love. He is the one who is filled with truth and grace. This what you, I mean, we say God is love. This what you call love exists only because God exists. If God doesn't exist, there is no love. God is love. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. He is that active agent behind the creation. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God that Isaiah speaks about in, in Isaiah 9. He is the lamb who, was, who died on, on the cross. He is the one who, who loves us. He is the one who accepts us. He is the one because of him we have acceptance in God. He is the one who is our confidence in God. He is the lion of Judah who has the capacity and the power to roar at every force of darkness. And the darkness would flee with its tail in it, between its legs. Yes. At the same time, he is the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. Yeah. That's who Jesus is. And because of Jesus, we are accepted. He is our righteousness. He is our confidence. That's the truth about Jesus. He's not just a prophet in the line of prophets. He's not just a good man. He's not just a good teacher. He is God himself, worthy of every praise and every word of our worship. That's who Jesus is. Surround yourselves with these truths about Jesus. What is the truth about you and me? I mean, when I was a Muslim, I heard an imam quote another Muslim scholar. And this is how he describes uh, human condition, human situation, and, and the Jesus of Christianity. This is how he described I was sitting in the cool of the day at the seashore. I was enjoying the sea, I was enjoying the sun, and this man came running to me, this Jesus. This man came running to me and he said, I'm going to give my life for your sins. And he drowned himself in the sea. Is that the right condition of, of humans? Is that really the condition of human? Absolutely not. That's not where human heart is. That's not, we, that's not where we were. I mean, if, if anything, we were the ones who were dying, actually, who were drowning. And I can safely say that we were the ones who were dead completely, lying in the bottommost part of the sea, lying absolutely dead, without any breath, without, without any strength to even lift a little finger to carry the weight of the sin that we were in. That's our condition. That's, that was the reality that we lived with. And then we, we actually needed God's grace. 
We actually needed someone to reach down, put a hand down and lift us out and speak life into us. Yes. And that's good news. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what God has done for us through Jesus. That's what God has done through, through Jesus. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, you have this new nature that the Bible talks about. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's the truth about you. Surround yourselves with truth. We are called to surround ourselves with truth. Massage them in. Let these truths penetrate in every area of our life. If you work for full time, let these truths penetrate there. If you're, if you're, if you're a mom or a dad who, who takes care of children all the day, let these truths penetrate in your children as well, in their lives as well. Let these become the foundations on which they stand, the solid rock foundation. I can go on and on. Second piece of armor. Second piece of armor. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, that's the first one, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Another white piece of weaponry that Paul gives us. Breastplate of righteousness. Now righteousness can mean, can, the meaning of the word righteousness can be deducted as little as being ethical. If you relate this to one another. Which is, which is right, which is fine. But we, when we relate this to God, this takes a whole new meaning. It takes a whole new weightage. How can you and me be rightly related to, to a holy, mighty God? Can we do that on our own righteousness? Can we do that on our own uh, good works? Absolutely not. We stand righteous in God. Because if we want to do this on our own righteousness, the bar is too high. The bar is here. Absolute sinlessness. Absolute sinlessness. Not, not one blemish, not one wrong in the whole life. And no one can do that. But there was one who did. There was one who did who was conceived in sinlessness. There was one who lived a sinless life. There was one who died on the cross for our sins, and that is Jesus. And he becomes our righteousness. In Jesus, we stand in confidence because he becomes our righteousness. We are accepted in Jesus, and that becomes our righteousness. Nothing, nothing of me and all of him. Nothing of me and all of him. We can stand in Jesus' righteousness. Because as soon as we put our faith in him, a beautiful exchange takes place. My sins are put on him, and his righteousness becomes my robe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 5.21, He who had no sin, he was made sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the truth about us. And that is so liberating, isn't it? That is so liberating. We don't have to be, become anyone. We don't have to fit in someone's shoes to be accepted by God. We don't have to 
fill our bags with, oh, blessings, 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 keep going on, keep going on. No, we can just go to God and say, God, I'm here in the name of Jesus. And he opens the doors wide. And you enter through. And you live in that presence for the rest of your life. For the rest of our lives. I can just come to God knowing that I have complete peace with the Father. Complete peace with the Father. And yes, it is good news and has the power and capacity to change the whole of humanity. The whole of humanity. And that is why Paul says, as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, gospel means good news, and peace is godly peace, which is shalom which is a little different to earthly peace that we describe. Earthly peace would be described as uh, absence of conflict. That's what earthly peace would be. But godly peace, shalom, would be harmony, would be presence of love, would be absolute harmony. So basically, the, the gospel of peace simply means that the good news of God's shalom has been revealed in Jesus Christ has been revealed in Jesus Christ. And it is a pleasure and a privilege that God chooses to use us as ambassadors, as heralds, the word says, as heralds for the expansion, for the, for the proclamation of this good news of peace. Be prepared for every opportunity in thought, word, and deed to proclaim this good news. As I said already, if you are working full-time, take every opportunity in your hand to speak about Jesus, to be that Jesus there, to just be. You have the opportunity, if you're a mom or a dad, you have the opportunity to speak this good news, or proclaim this good news of Jesus into your children. Build them up from the foundational stage that they will stand and stand firm. If you are a student, the university is your field. The university is your field. If you are a mom or looking after children, your household is your field. Your neighborhood is your field. My neighborhood is my field. And I have the privilege to be the herald of God of, this, of proclaiming this amazing good news of Jesus Christ. Let's take every opportunity to speak out this news of reconciliation between God and man. Through this news, God and man has been reconciled. And not just God and man. By man, I mean humanity. Obviously, man and woman. God and man, and, and, and man and man, and woman and woman, and man and woman, they are united. They can live in perfect harmony because of this good news. I mean, look at us. Look at us as a church. There can be people from Nigeria. There can be people from India. There can be people from South Africa. And the English, they're all sitting together in under one roof. It can happen outside in the world as well. Yes, people can come together, but they cannot be driven by love. And that's what happens here. Here we are driven by love, by godly, brotherly love for each other. Yes. And only God can do that. You, only God can do that. There are very good chances that things will not play out the way you would expect them to be. When you go out proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming this good news, things will, might not play out the way you want them to play. There will be opposition, obviously. And that is why Paul talks about readiness as for shoes. Now, soldiers in those days wore shoes 
and uh, shoes with fortified soles. Because what happened was when the, when the opposite army or the enemy heard about the soldiers approaching, they lay down these uh, uh, thorns and spikes on the, on the ground. Uh, if your shoes have soles which have holes, you won't be able to go any further, obviously. You will have, you, you'll get stuck there. And that is why he says, let your souls be fortified. Wear shoes with fortified souls. In view of this, be prepared with shoes that you are ready to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, very practically, by the grace of God, here at Trinity, we are blessed with the, with the giftings that we, are, that we have here. The Ephesians 4.11 says, we are blessed with apostles, we are blessed with teachers, we are blessed with pastors, we even have prophets in our midst. We need an evangelist. Yes, we are all called to evangelize, absolutely, but we need that one person who would carry us as a church who would equip each one of us, whose heart would be to equip each one of us to see the, pro to see the gospel proclaimed to the ends of this earth. That's what we need. That's what we're praying for. Let's, let's just pray right away. Can we do that? Let's just pray for an evangelist right now to emerge. Even, even in our midst, there would be one maybe. Praise God. For, for one to emerge. And if it's not, then God would send an evangelist to us who would lead us and take us ahead in the proclamation. Father Lord, we thank you, Father, for this privilege that we have to become, as, to become ambassadors and heralds of, of this good news. Thank you for the gifts, Lord. Thank you for apostles and prophets and, and teachers and pastors. Lord, we pray that you would raise an evangelist in our midst, Lord. Yes, Lord. That you would raise an evangelist in our midst. That you would send an evangelist who would have, an, have a heart to proclaim your good news and he, he, will have, he or she will have a heart to see us equipped in your name, Lord Jesus. Yes. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Amen. Okay, moving on. Fourth piece of armor. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Shield of faith. Now if truth is something that you believe in, faith can be something that you have or you do in action, basically. Yeah. The appro faith can be called as the appropriation of truth. When God spoke to Abraham, I love this story. I love the story of Abraham. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and move to another, to another place that I will show you. And you will be, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. That's what God told him. Now, Abraham could have very easily sat with his hands folded and said, okay, God will show me, and then I'll move. But then he and Sarah would have probably wrestled and prayed. And the Bible says, the very next verse of, of Genesis 12, verse 4 says, So Abram left. So Abram went. And that's faith. Yeah. And that's faith. God has spoken that he has called you to be a beacon in your workplace. He's called you to be the salt of your workplace, in your workplace. He's called you to, to be a city up a hill. 
He's called you to be the lamp in that dark place. What do you do? You put on the armor, and you get ready for that, for that job every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning. You put on the best attitude that comes from the gospel, and you go to work. Saying that, God, I'm going to make a difference in this place. Yes. Because you are the one who has called me. I'm going to go in faith and I'm going to see my place changed and transformed because of your name. Yes, Lord. That's what we do. That is, that is the appropriation of truth. That is putting faith in practice. Maybe it's about the salvation of your family. Maybe God has spoken that your mom, your dad, your brothers, everyone would be saved. And then when you speak to them or you see them, you see their lifestyle, you see, God, this doesn't make sense. This two and two is not, they're not coming together. This doesn't make sense. God says, keep believing. Keep trusting. And so I choose to keep trusting. God, I will keep believing. I will keep battling in love. I'll keep battling in prayer. And keep asking, uh, keep asking you that you would give them to us. That you would save them. I would keep trusting and keep standing strong in faith. And that's the shield of faith. That's the shield of faith. Next piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. And this one is just like the breastplate of righteousness, when, which protects the heart. The breastplate of righteousness would protect your vital organs. You wear it on your chest, obviously, and, you, and it will protect your heart. And the helmet of salvation, you wear it on your head, and along with the other vital organs, it would, it would protect your mind. It would protect your mind. It's very much like the breastplate of righteousness. Again, we depend fully on the finished work of Jesus Christ for our salvation. As I said earlier, it's not a little bit of you and a little bit of me, Jesus, and we've got this right. No. It's fully you, Lord. It's only your finished work on the cross and nothing, nothing of me. That's salvation. It's fully yours and nothing of me. You increase and I decrease. My salvation, my hope is only and only in you. My hope is not coming to the church on Sunday morning. My hope is not on attending a prayer meeting. My hope is not for salvation, for salvation. My hope is not only all, all these things, although all these things will help you get there. All these things will, will work in you to go towards God, to move towards God. But my trust lies in God and God alone. If I'm counting these Sunday mornings, these prayer meetings at good works and filling my bag of blessings, that God will, God will uh, put me into heaven because of this, then there is something to think about. I'm saved by grace and grace alone. And after that, and after that, God gets us ready for the, for the good works that he has kept for us. After that, he gets us ready. As soon as you believe in Jesus, you are hidden in Christ. You are hidden in Christ. Say, for example, if this is me, if this is me, I can be broken, I can be useless. If this stops working, this is useless. Spiritually, that can be my state. And if this is Christ, as soon as I believe in Jesus, I am hidden in Christ. And when the Father looks at me, 
He's not looking at my deformity, the spiritual deformity. He's looking at Jesus. And I'm saved in Jesus and I'm hidden in Jesus. His righteousness becomes my righteousness. His truth becomes my truth. That's who I am. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are saved by grace and grace alone. And finally, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, all these pieces of armor that we have spoken before, they are all defensive pieces. They, they keep you safe in, the, in times of attack. The shield keeps you safe. The, the breastplate of righteousness keeps you safe. The helmet will, will save you. The, sword and the belt will keep everything together. But this one piece is an offensive piece. It can cause the enemy to bleed. It can cause the enemy to bleed. You can use this to attack the enemy. And by enemy, obviously, not against flesh and blood. The cosmic power who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the one. We have covered some of this in the belt of truth, but let me tell you what has helped me in more than one way. To keep my sword with me and sharp. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's be men and women who would hide the word of God in our hearts, in our minds. Yes. Who would memorize the word, these words and you would use them in times of trouble, in times of temptations, in times of oppositions. You would use them as swords in our belt. When the liar says, God doesn't care about you, you would remove this, this sword and you would say that in Christ, we are God's beloved children and friends. We are God's beloved children and friends. The deceiver would come and tell you, God has abandoned you. You would remove this sword and say, Jesus will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I am fully convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the height nor the depth, neither the present nor the future, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that, is, that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That's the truth that we stand on. That's the truth that we stand on. You, you fight and fight and fight, and there's a time that you fall, and God picks you up again, and then you hear these words, you are guilty, you are condemned, and then you stand. In Christ, there is no more condemnation. In Christ, I am holy and blameless. There is no more condemnation in Christ. The liar would come and tell you, you are poor and you're weak. And you would stand firm and say, in Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not poor. I'm not weak. But God strengthens me through Christ. In the end, at the end of the day, after all your fighting, the deceiver would come and, and whisper this in your ears very slowly. He'll say, you are a loser. You are a loser. You will never overcome your failings. 
and you would stand firm and say, in Christ we are more than conquerors in all things. And we are destined, even though I don't see it right now, but we are destined to be totally transformed into Christ's own likeness. Can you believe that? We will be like Christ. We would be transformed into his likeness. Hallelujah. I can't perceive in my head right now, but there will be one day when I would be transformed and you would be transformed. Every single one who, who has put faith in Jesus Christ would be transformed into his likeness fully. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And the last one, when the lawyer reminds you of your shameful past, he would come and remind you of your shameful past. He does that to me, anyway. And you would say, everything that Satan had against us has been nailed to the cross. And for this reason, he's a laughing stock to us. Everything that Satan had has been nailed to the cross. And that's how you fight. That's how we fight. We put on our helmet of salvation. We put on our breastplate of righteousness. We have our sword intact. We have our belt around us. We put, our, put on our shoes. We put on our shoes and we stand and we stand firm. We have our shield of faith. This is how we fight in God's strength. Why do we need all these things? Because our fight, again, is not against flesh and blood. Our fight is against the evil one. That's why we need it. And very lastly, I should finish. Very lastly, Paul, in one sense, envelops all of this with just one ask. He says, pray. Pray continuously. Pray continuously in the spirit. That does not mean that we are called to be in a, in a prayer meeting 24-7. No, he says, get your lifestyle in such a way that you are in a posture of praying all the time. How can we do that? By inviting Jesus into everything we do. Into everything we do. You leave for work in the morning, invite Jesus in. You're driving, talk to Jesus. You're shopping, talk to Jesus. It may sound weird. Don't talk to him so loudly, but it's fine. <laughs> but talk to him, invite him in. You're bringing up your kids, talk to Jesus. Yes. There'll be grace there. You would, find you would find it difficult. I find it difficult to raise Shifa and Isaac up. I fi I, I'm, I'm finding it difficult. I need to depend on God's grace. Lord, I need this. How do I do this? Talk to him. Invite him in. And that, that posture of life becomes a, a life of prayer. Yes. Becomes a life of prayer. Mm. I must finish. Let's respond in prayer. Can I have the band, please? And then we respond in worship. I loved that song that Onoheli you sang, mm -hmm. that we sang during worship. <coughs> Don't remember goodness? the. Yes, goodness. If you can sing that song, that would be brilliant. Father God, Father, we love you. We thank you for your strength that is at work in us. Thank you that you are the wall on which we lean. You are our solid rock. You are our strong foundation on which we stand. Father, I thank you that in Jesus, you have given us the full armor. In Jesus, you have made us ready for every spiritual battle. 
In Jesus, you have made us victorious against every scheme of the enemy. In Jesus, we fight from a place of victory already. Now, Lord, help us to stand and stand firm in these truths, Lord. All of this for your glory, for your namesake, in Jesus' name. Amen.